Welcome back, my Head. Thanks. It's good to be back. And uh, thanks for having me, everyone. I appreciate you spending some time with the show. Uh, going to be a bit distracted this morning. I imagine we're going to start off talking about Hurricane Ian um, as it bears down on southwest Florida. You just heard in the news update and the news expansion with, with Jamie that this is going to be a huge storm. They're expecting it to be a Cat 5 hurricane by the time it makes landfall. It's expected to make landfall about 11 a.m. our time here in Arizona. Um, as most of you know, my friends and family, I grew up in Fort Myers, which is where the bottom half of this storm is expected to make landfall. Um, so I've been through hurricanes before, and uh, there's some issues uh, that we'll talk about. I want to kind of update you on what's happening um, mostly because it, to be very selfish, it's very personal for me. It is uh, it, it's it's difficult to talk about. I've been talking with friends all morning long. I may have 15 people at my house, which I don't have room for. But we'll make do in the coming days, depending on how bad it is. Uh, but I want you to hear from FEMA. This is uh, concerns about what's happening with Hurricane Ian. Uh, just this is a, a FEMA representative talking about this storm. I do have concerns about complacency. We're talking about impacts in a part of Florida that hasn't seen a major direct impact in nearly 100 years. Uh, there's also parts of Florida where there's a lot of new residents that have never experienced this type of threat. So my message to them is still take this very seriously, listen to your local officials, and those Floridians that have been through this before, help your neighbors that may have not had to go through this. Yeah, and so it's been a long time. It's been 100 years since Tampa has taken a direct hit. And just kind of for, for geography purposes, as we as I talk about this just for a few minutes, uh, Tampa is, uh, is I would say, the furthest north from what I'm going to talk about. Just south of that is Sarasota, Siesta Key Beach, one of the most beautiful beaches in the world, is just south of that. And then a little further south than that, they're talking about Charlotte Harbor and then Fort Myers. And then south of Fort Myers is the town of Naples, the city of Naples. To give you an idea of proximity, um, it's as far south. Naples is as far south as Miami, just on the opposite coast. So they are expecting a huge storm surge. These storms, um, they spin counterclockwise. So a counterclockwise rotation is what happens. And so the bottom half of that storm is what pushes water onto land. So they're expecting, they're saying in some place, Charlotte Harbor, south into Fort Myers, maybe even into Naples, uh, they are expecting some, some up to 18 feet of storm surge. So this is going to be a major hurricane. It's expected to hit in about, uh, man, about three hours is when expected to make landfall. On a personal level, um, my family, my brother is a captain with the sheriff's office. He's in a command center right now. He's already been deployed yesterday afternoon he was deployed to a location where they sit with uh with uh Police officers, you know, cops are out there. They have firefighters, they have paramedics, they have staff available, and they are all hunkered down somewhere. And as soon as the storm is over, they all hit the streets doing search rescue, stopping looters, that kind of thing. So that, you know, the expectation is they will be out this evening. My family is all together somewhere where it's safe. The big issue for them is they're concerned about what the storm damage will be, of course. But the aftermath is what's so bad. Hot, humid, flooded, no power, sometimes for days and weeks. The last major storm that struck southwest Florida was the, you know, the edges of a hurricane. They were without power for over two weeks weeks. So it is going to be a rough road for those people. A couple of more. Um, uh, this is where it gets a little petty to me, and it just I'm going to play a little bit of it only because of the pettiness here. So you know as well as I do, when major storms happen, 
The president sends out FEMA. They declared the state of Florida, declared a state of emergency the other day, and uh, they had people um, on the ground ready to go, assets in place, so that once the storm clears, we've learned a lot of lessons from after Katrina, getting assets in place and ready to roll is a big deal. But this is now a conversation where the, the FEMA director, an administrator from FEMA, was being asked about, she's had many conversations with mayors and with the governor and leaders, why hasn't the president called the governor. Um, and as far as the conversation, the president directed me to contact um, the uh, governor early on before we even did the de- declaration. I did that. My regional administrator is with the governor right now, making sure that we're understanding what the needs are and our focus is on the current life safety needs that need to be met. So that's where it, the politics of this is uh, is interesting to me. And what I mean by that is, um, you know, there's a rift and there's a political rift between the White House and Governor DeSantis. There has been on immigration and some other things, and it's not going away. They don't like each other politically. I don't know what it's like personally. But when something like this happens, you have an expectation that you're going to hear from leadership. I'm not going to dwell on this too much. I'm a lot more concerned about what's going to happen to my hometown. Are we going to see widespread damage? Damage when you haven't seen something this bad in a hundred years. Hurricane Andrew, when it went across South Florida in, in I believe it was 92 or 93, my youngest brother was in Miami playing baseball then. This was before his years as a police officer. He was a college kid playing baseball. And uh, he stayed for Hurricane Andrew, and it landed south of where he lived. But the damage that he saw where he was was immense. And if you have not seen the video of uh, or gone back and look at the pictures of before and after Andrew when it made landfall in South Florida, there were entire neighborhoods completely Wiped out. I mean, down to the foundation. And in other places, I mean, right on the same street, houses still standing. So it was kind of a toss up. Well, there's a lot of older homes in the Fort Myers area. It is growing. There are a lot of new home developments, but there are also older homes. And so the concern is with the vegetation there. My brother has, if you don't know what a banyan tree is, there is a, they are huge trees. My brother has a banyan tree right in his front yard. The concern, could that tree come down? You know, all of these things are running through everyone's minds. You know, you put up the shutters, you do everything else. But when you have a storm surge and the rain they're expecting, Miami... In parts of Miami, nine inches of rain from these storms. So if you're getting nine inches on the other coast of rain, imagine what's going to happen in the next few hours in southwest Florida. So I've been keeping in constant contact with my family as much as I can. The Internet went out recently in my my brother's house. Uh, They have power still. That's the last time I talked to them. But I have no idea when the power is going to go off. It's going to if it's going to go off. Will they have cell service? Will I have any contact with my family? And so. So um, I apologize for belaboring a story that is so far away from where we are, but it could affect us. And the way it's going to affect us could be with food prices. The uh, central Florida, beginning just you know at the northern tip of the Everglades and making its way north, is huge in agriculture. Uh, tomatoes, watermelons, all kinds of produce. And as it makes its way north into the orange groves in central and nor- the northern part of Florida. And so there's there could be a, a, a huge impact. And so uh, all of this is going to affect us. I just don't expect it to affect you as much as it affects me. But it certainly is um, 
you know, it, it is uh, something that is, should be on all of our minds. Will this be as bad as Katrina? I hope not. You know, uh, the, although it is a low-lying area, a lot of marsh area around Florida, it's not under sea level like Katrina was. So we just don't know what's going to happen. A little bit more. This is uh, the president, President Biden, talking about what's happening in Florida. We are on alert and in action. We've approved every request Florida has made for temporary assistance, emergency assistance, long-term assistance that I've received. So that's good news. Um, You just know that when these storms hit, and we've always had bad storms there, um, it is uh, it's interesting for me to look at this and and from be not being there right now. Does that make sense that when I'm there, when you're in it, you're just in it. But now just to think that I may lose touch with my family, that's my big concern this morning. So uh, I said at the beginning of this and I'll say again, if if I seem a bit distracted this morning, it's because constantly during breaks, I'm on the phone, I'm text messaging and I'm making phone calls because they are the expectation is within the next couple of hours is expected to make landfall at around two o'clock this afternoon. And that would be the direct front of the storm right now. They're all already seeing rain and winds and uh, some flooding, but it's going to get much worse and intensify in the next two or three hours. So uh, I am going to be making, I'll be in contact with my family for as long as I can be in contact with them. And uh, so if you want to, if you are someone of faith, uh, pray for the people of Southwest Florida. Uh, It's been about a hundred years since they've had a storm impact them like this. And certainly nothing of this size. Cat 4, Cat 5 does serious damage to the winds. My mom owns a manufactured home in North Fort Myers and so the concern for that to still be standing is going to be as well. I hope all of this is um, maybe I'm too worried and I hope that that's the case but this looks like it's going to be bad for my uh, my family and friends back in Southwest Florida. Coming up in a moment, um, why are Democrats so angry at Senator Kirsten Cinema? Well, we'll let you hear from a few and explain what the details are coming up here in just a couple of moments. Strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. Hey, thanks for being here. Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Stevie Nicks heading to Option Pavilion next Thursday with Vanessa Carlton. Tickets are on sale right now, but if you want to win a pair, you could do that by heading over to the contest page at KTAR.com. So let's talk about Kirsten Cinema. Senator Cinema was at an event uh, with Mitch McConnell and it outraged a lot of people. So I want you to hear a little bit of this. I want you to hear um, her comments on that are enraging people on her side of the aisle. The danger of eliminating the 60-vote threshold is that the Senate becomes the House. And I remind everyone, I, I left the House and ran for the Senate for a reason. <laughs> So Senator Sinema is against um, the the uh, filibuster, eliminating the filibuster, and this is what she said about running for Senate. I remember my early years. I, I served for uh, six years in the House of Representatives. And I remember being so frustrated during those six years because I felt like every time there was a big bipartisan solution that needed to happen, the Senate just kind of came up with a solution and then gave it to the House, and we just ate it. And um, that's why I ran for the Senate. 
So uh, Senator Sinema has worked in a bipartisan way on a lot of issues, which is enraging people on her side of the aisle. As a matter of fact, let's go to uh, I'm uh, I'm going to apologize in advance. I never imagined I would be playing something from The View, but uh, this is for Joy Behar and uh, the people on The View discussing Senator Sinema specifically. You know, she's not popular in her own state. Um, 55 percent of women find her unfavorable. Men don't like her. White voters don't like her. Hispanic voters don't like her. Voters 50 and over don't like her. Younger voters don't like her. The only person who seems to like her is Mitch McConnell. (laughs) And Mitch McConnell likes her because she works with him to obstruct the Democrats. Basically, that's how I see it. And, you know, she's not going to be popular with the Republicans either because she doesn't have a religion, so as far as I could tell. And she says that she's bisexual. They don't like that. So I think that she's a she has a problem. She does not help the Democrats. We don't need her. We need a strong Democrat in Arizona like um, Mark, Mark Kelly. Mark <laughs> Kelly. I don't think Joy Behar could find Arizona on a map. So she is talking about what Arizona needs. I love this kind of stuff that happens. This is what Arizona needs. Arizona needs a strong Democrat like Mark Kelly, which Mark Kelly is probably going to be upset about because Mark Kelly is running a lot more like Kirsten Cinema here in Arizona as kind of an independent-minded guy. He is running commercials saying that he's going to fix the border and trying to lower gas prices and pushing back against the Biden administration on so many other things. I'm not saying he is doing that or he isn't doing that. Joy Behar says he isn't doing that. Uh, Speaking of which, coming up just after 9 o'clock, we are going to speak with uh, Blake Masters, who is running for that Senate seat. And I want to give a disclaimer now. I'm going to do it often between now and the general election. We have invited all candidates on this show. If you listen to the show, I have my political leanings, I have my political beliefs and ideologies, but when I bring a guest on, I give them the floor and I allow them to speak. And I have been fair with everyone. I have had many Democrat candidates on. Julie Gunnigal, who is running for county attorney, she's been on the show a couple of times. I've had a lot of candidates on this show because I think you deserve to hear from people. You deserve to hear from all sides. I don't make any... um, I don't hide how I feel politically, but that doesn't mean that I don't make room for other people's opinions and give them an opportunity to voice them. I say that because we have reached out multiple times and have continued to reach out to Senator Kelly's office trying to get him to come on this show. I'm doing a series of TV shows called Before You Vote on AZTV7 that run every Sunday at 430. We have had every single candidate in the gubernatorial race on both sides of the aisle, including Katie Hobbs, on that show. Now we're doing them in the general election and we're covering all of the statewide races. And the only candidate, the only candidate that has not spoken to us and as far as I know, has not even responded to our multiple requests for a TV interview has been Senator Mark Kelly. I even sat down with uh, Katie Hobbs, the secretary of state last week. And they've actually been promoting that interview on their social media sites because I want both voters to hear from them. We've gotten a commitment from Katie Hobbs and her camp that she'll come on this show. As of right now, we've not heard back from them, but she said she'll come on the show here. I would love for you to hear from, uh, you know, I want to be able to ask some questions from my political point of view, but I'm never rude to anyone. So we are going to bring Blake Masters on. I'm going to have Carrie Lake on many times, as many times as they want to come on. You're going to hear from them, but I've invited everybody. And if they choose not to come on, that's their choice. 
they can defend or explain why to other people. But giving them an opportunity to speak to this audience, this is a diverse audience here at KTAR News. It's not all people that think like me. There are a lot of people that disagree with me most of the time, all of the time, some of the time. And that's what I love about the show is the open debate and a civil debate. Senator Cinema, as far as this goes, Senator Cinema has stood her ground and said the filibuster must not be um, eliminated. What's good about that, what is great about that, actually, is that if her side of the aisle loses the Senate in this election cycle, they're going to want that filibuster. But a lot more so if in 2024 President Biden or the Democrats are defeated and a Republican takes over. They're going to want to use that filibuster. It's been a useful tool for both sides of the aisle. It gives the minority party a chance to eliminate what is bad legislation. And here's what ends up happening. If you see the big, huge swings that happen in in politics without the filibuster, here's what happens. If you have a simple majority in the Senate and a simple majority in the House, you can pass some pretty slanted legislation and you don't need the voice of the other party. The House is like that. It's called the People's House. The House has always been that way. The Senate has been labeled the body. It's the it's the saucer that cools the drink. And so they there have a, a much, much more robust debate system, and the filibuster allows a minority party to stop something that would be very um, – I, I guess you would say fringe maybe. I, maybe that's the wrong word. But it allows them to have – be forced into a debate and a compromise. So you don't have these radical swings in legislation from one party to the other when they change sides. It, it is consistency. It's been used by both parties. The Democrats have very aggressively used it in the past. They will use it again. So Senator Sinema is right. She is absolutely right in not for her party's sake, not for the Republicans, for her party's sake. She's right not to eliminate the filibuster. What they're angry about is there is the expectation that the House and or the Senate are going to flip in these midterm elections. And if they want to get anything done, According to the agenda of President Biden, they have to do it now before this session of the legislature or this legislative session ends. So if they don't do that, they believe they're going to be at a standstill for the rest of the term for this president. So they are frustrated and they want to make all these rule changes and, and Senator Sinema saying it's the wrong thing to do. She happens to be right. But this is also a life lesson for everybody out there. You want to know why you don't see the parties working together. You want to know why you don't see Republicans and Democrats getting together on the border or other issues to get something done. Because if you dare, and this is both parties, this is not just the Democrats doing this. This is both parties. The base in both parties do what Joy Behar just did if you dare cross the aisle and compromise with people on the other side. It is political suicide to work across the aisle. She's suffering it right now, and Republicans will suffer it if they do it, unfortunately. Coming up in a moment, Gatos joins me, and it's the big Q poll question of the day. The Gatos Big Q poll question brought to you by your Valley Toyota dealers. Hey, good morning, Gatos. Watching the hurricane. Oh, yeah. You got some family in the way or no? That's my hometown. What? Oh, that is your hometown? Yep. 
Fort Myers is my hometown. So I, I told the story earlier. My brother, who was a captain with the sheriff's office, was deployed yesterday afternoon. Okay. So he is um, in a in a bunker with the sheriff's office that they're firing at their their gun range with paramedics, with firefighters, and a group of people that are already there. And as soon as the storm passes, they hit the streets doing search rescue, making wow. sure looters aren't there. So he's out. His wife, who was a deputy, has got the kids and my mom, and their family is safe. I've been talking to friends all morning long. They're expecting right now 155 mile an hour winds just north of them. Uh, yeah, I was just watching uh, the Weather Channel. I always say this too. This is the only time where I ever watch cable news. Yeah, I will not watch Fox. I will not watch and uh, CNN. But when it goes to because Mother Nature is uh, it, it's it's incredible. I mean, part of what? you is watching this yeah. and you're like. You don't want to be entertained by it, but no. it's like it's, you it's watch captiv- it. It's captivating. It's captivating, and you're like, oh, my gosh, I hope no one gets hurt. But you, it's one of those things yeah. where you like you have to watch it because it's just it's Mother Nature. It's incredible. So the way these work, you know as well as anyone, they, they spin counterclockwise. Right. So the south part of that storm is what's going to go over, we believe, Fort Myers. They are thinking that the eye of the storm is going to be north, closer to Port Charlotte or Sarasota in those areas, south of Tampa. Yeah. But that south end of the storm is pushing on, which pushes the storm surge on shore. They're talking about 18 feet. Right. Of water. Right. So there are a couple of islands. If you, I don't know how well you know southwest Florida. Naples is a very popular place. Right. Off the coast of Naples is a little barrier island called Marco Island. Just north of there off the coast where I worked for years are two islands, Sanibel and Captiva Islands. Very small islands. But they're barrier islands. They're not very big. And they are. if, if this storm hits like they're saying it's going to, those three islands will be completely underwater. It's crazy. It is it's, insane. And they say it's going to be a lot worse than what, Charlie? In in O two, oh, yeah. was it O two? Yeah, yeah. Charlie, uh, Charlie was the last big one that hit there, that hit near them, or at least brushed the the coast. They were without power. My brother's house was without power for two weeks. It's going to be longer than two weeks. Yeah, so I'm already working on plans when they start flying again. I'm probably going to fly my mom out here, maybe some other family and friends. I may have 15 people at my house. I don't know. You got pl- you got a mansion, man. Oh you yeah, got plenty oh, of room. Yeah. You know, have them stay in the you know in the upstairs. Yeah, you yeah, know, come yeah. on. In you the got back nine, You got nine bedrooms or. Something. <laughs> Something, right? <laughs> All right, what's the question? Because I got a minute left. I just realized we're going way late. I got a Mc- minute left. McDonald's. Okay. It has a new adult Happy Meal. Really? Yeah, yeah. So, and yes, you get a toy. Oh. So, which famous oh. uh, figurine are you dying to get? A, Grimace. B, the Hamburglar. C, that uh, creepy uh, clown, uh, Mc- Ronald McDonald. Ronald McDonald. Or D, uh, I'm a grown adult. I go to Starbucks. Right. So Good. go ahead and vote. It's a great poll question. It's a, it's question. a little lighter today. We got a lot of crazy who stuff is, out there. Who was the original Ronald McDonald? Very quickly. Do you know the original? The original I, uh, Jimmy Carter. No, Weatherman Willard Scott. Oh, really? Yes. The one who used to like uh, say happy birthday yeah. to old people. Uh-huh. Yep. That's fantastic. I, I used to work on his house, and he used to have all the memorabilia. He was the original Ronald McDonald. Look at you. You're a name dropper. That's what you are. Thanks, Gatos. <laughs> See you, dude. <laughs> the Big Q poll question of the day brought to you by your Valley Toyota dealers. We talk to Blake Masters next.